0: what's up everyone welcome to the podcast i'm your host isaiah koban it's september 24 2021 and this is lift and learn episode 54 In this episode, I'll be talking about just one giant topic, and that's going to be the best exercises for your shoulders. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copan, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopan.com. The podcast is on Instagram at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. So, of course, the first thing I need to mention is that this weekend will be the one year anniversary or the birthday of the podcast. So, thank you to you all, the listeners specifically right now for tuning in whenever you do, because without you, this podcast wouldn't exist, really. The listener count is actually growing for the podcast, especially in the past few months, so that's good to see. So hopefully if you are listening to this, or are a frequent listener, I do hope that at least one thing I've said on here has helped you throughout your quest, whether that be to lose weight, gain muscle, burn fat, or... Just live a healthier life. Even if it is just one thing, then I've done my job. But if you do want to get more out of this podcast, be sure to DM me if you have any podcast topics you want me to cover that could be fitness related or not. But yeah, you can DM me at isaiah.copan on Instagram or use the actual podcasts handle on Instagram, which is Lift and Learn Podcast. I've been slacking posting on that account, to be honest, but I am going to be posting short clips of podcast episodes or future episodes on that account soon, so hopefully that'll pull others into tuning into the show too. And I started the podcast on my 30th birthday last year, so that also means my birthday is this weekend. And that's not all that exciting for me though, it's just a typical weekend for me, I have some plans, but it's basically just going to be another weekend of just work and gym, but I'm definitely thankful to see another year, and I hope that this year is full of new gains, hopefully a year major injury-free. Over the year of the podcast being live, it was pretty eventful, actually. One major part is COVID is still around, but now we have a vaccine for it, as opposed to this time last year. So thank you to science and doctors and all the researchers that pulled through there. And since COVID first shut down gyms in my city, which was last summer, I had to transition over to a more online-focused personal training business, and that went smooth enough to allow me to spend a big chunk of my time in the U.S. this past year, which was one of the best times of my life. At the end of the trip, I dislocated my shoulder... And in the past few months, did my rehab, and I have gotten back to being pretty strong again. The gyms have been open now for about two months, so work is back to normal. And hopefully the gyms never need to close again, now that we have the vaccine passport, thankfully, which I'll also talk about later. Over the past year, I've covered over a hundred topics on here so far, for free. So hopefully, like I said earlier, you've at least learned one thing from me. And I know some of you have reached out to me about programs and stuff like that. That could be in the works for 2022, so we'll see what this coming year brings. I know what the rest of the year isn't bringing to me, and that's more softball playoffs. The season is over for our team early this year, so no chip this year. There was a slow start to the game offensively, but that's because both teams were just on it defensively. Then all of a sudden, we ended up scoring five runs in one inning, feeling hype, let's go. But then they came back to score six runs. (laughs) I stepped up to the plate later on in the game with a huge two-run single to left field, let's go. But we couldn't hold on to that lead. Honestly, we got a little screwed because there was one inning where there was a close play at second base, and I was playing center field at the time, so... It looked like that was the third out right there, but the ump called them safe, and then we ended up having to continue the inning. Other team ended up scoring six runs after that. Just an absolute momentum change, and the ultimate collapse there. Nothing we could really do, though. I think they hit a homer, and they just had these little seeing eye hits that just happened to get into the gaps of our defense, but it's all good. We lost. No more softball for me. Which is fine, because now I can just focus on lifting and golf until the season is over. Which, I mean, that looks like it could be soon, since it got a little chilly this past week. And also, I just got back from golfing, so that's partly what's to blame for this specific episode being out later than usual. (laughs) But the fact that the season is over is also good news too, because there's going to be a less chance of injury going forward because I actually had a little bit of a scare in this last game. The game was pretty close all throughout, so I had to try a little bit harder towards the second half of the game. So there was this one ball hit to the outfield. I was on first base, but I knew I'd be getting to third base and probably home if I run hard enough. So I ran pretty hard. Not 100%, but I figured fast enough to just get to third base pretty safely. So, I'm rounding second, get about halfway to third, and the coach over there, which is just someone from the bench, told me to stop or slow down, so I had to stop pretty quickly, and I guess I did that with my right leg, and when I did that, I felt a little bit of a pull there in my right hamstring. I made it to home plate pretty soon after, but I could tell I hurt myself a little bit there, so I knew for the rest of the game I was just going to take it easy. I was just trying to relieve some of the pain with some stretching, some dynamic stretches, and I think it was good that I did that. So there were some contributing factors going into this actually, and it's probably my fault this injury happened really. Going into the game that day or whatever, I was definitely doing too much activity at that point. The day before the game, I ended up hitting a round of golf and then I hit legs later that day with a sumo deadlift focus. And then the morning of the game, I worked out again, upper body, then pretty much had work non-stop for a few hours. After that, I had my pre-game meal and I'm pretty sure the rice was expired, so I only ended up eating about half of the carbs I would have normally because I threw some of it out. Plus, I wasn't feeling too good, probably also partly from the possibly spoiled rice that I ate. I could just feel before the game that something was going to go wrong, I just had a bad feeling and I was already feeling weak at that point, and that reflected on my performance. Then I remember that I heard the quote, there's no overtraining, just under eating. Then I just laughed in my head, seriously, because overtraining is real. And these are the possible setbacks that may happen. You'll be more prone to injury if you're doing too much all at once without letting your body recover by resting and eating real food. And me thinking I'm a big shot, that's what happens. Doing all of those things in the span of like 36 hours, a round of golf, two workouts, more times than not you'll probably be okay, but you do increase the risk of injury. And I'm proof right there. So the morning after, it was still hurting pretty bad. But I knew that it would only be something that would probably bother me for about a week. And it's so funny because my back was hurting a little bit uh, the week before. I think I talked about that. Then that went away. And then this past week, I had to deal with a little hamstring injury. Anyways, that pain lasted up until about two days ago. So Wednesday... About five days later, I was good to go. But the day after the game, so last Friday, I couldn't even get into a squat or even an assisted squat without pain. I did walk throughout the weekend and the week, though, to make sure that my leg got some kind of activity and some kind of work in. Rest is good when it comes to recovering an injury, but light exercise is going to be great, too, when you're ready for it. And that's why walking or active recovery is going to be good for that. Besides that, though, training went great this week. I mean, I couldn't do legs until yesterday, which was Thursday, and I just went light for that, making sure that I'm fully healed. And I'm not quite there yet. It still hurts when my hamstring is in a stretched position. So doing something like stiff leg deadlifts, I couldn't really do this week. The rest of my training was basically just alternating between push and pull days with calf training in there since I could still do that. No excuses there. I did end up hitting the 110 pound dumbbells on flat bench once this week, which was surprisingly not too bad. I did that for three sets of eight. So my plan going in was to only hit 105 pound dumbbells. Uh, but one of them was in front of where I had a bench and the other 105 was like on the other end of the rack. Meanwhile, the 110s were just there right in front of me. So I just figured I would do that instead of all of that struggle walking, um, walking or rolling the other weight all the way to me. So yeah, the 110, surprisingly, not too bad. Safe to say the shoulders feeling good. No lingering effects as of right now from that dislocation. And if anything, I felt like my right side, which is the not injured side, that right side actually felt a bit weaker at times, which was unusual. Alright, so this past Tuesday, and this is kind of still gym related, so I gotta talk about this. I was working at the gym around 5.30, so typical rush hour time. I was there until around 7 or 7.30, And man, it was so packed at the gym. It was by far the busiest day I've seen at the gym for a while, maybe a few years. And that was probably because there were so many people in there going for their last day. I swear to you, I saw some kid do a full body circuit twice. Everyone was like walking faster than usual, like trying to hit every machine and every body part because they knew that they wouldn't be in there the next day. That's right, folks. The vaccine passport is now live in Ontario, and that started two days ago, Wednesday this past week. And so far, the times I've been there, I have noticed that the crowd is a little thinner than usual. A bunch of the kids at this Crunch Fitness location are gone, so that's good to see in that regard. And that's really my only experience with it right now for the past day and a half, That's literally the only place I went besides Walmart, so everything went pretty smooth. I had already showed the gym my vaccine receipts or whatever, so it was already in their system, which was clutch because there was one time I walked in and there was a lineup of like, I don't know, five to seven people having to be checked for all the vaccine stuff, so I'm glad I got that out of the way early. Moving on from that, and I've gotten away from it the past few weeks, but baseball is getting exciting if you're in Toronto right now. The Blue Jays are just outside a wildcard spot as of today, which is Friday, and I'm saying the date because anything could change over these last few weeks of the season. The Blue Jays, Red Sox, and the Yankees are basically tied right now when it comes to who's going to get in and who's not going to get into the playoffs or at least a wildcard spot. They're also going to be playing each other over the next two weeks, so every game is going to be huge. Even if the team doesn't make it, they have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on the team, and this guy is chasing a triple crown right now, and he still might not even win MVP because of Shohei Otani, who has been an amazing hitter all year, and is also just pitching lights out. He's basically an Asian Babe Ruth, once-in-a-century player. Okay, back to Vladdy and chasing the Triple Crown. And that means that he could lead the league in batting average, RBIs, and home runs. It hasn't happened that often in MLB history. I mean, before Miguel Cabrera did it in 2012, I think the last time it happened was like 1967 or something. He'll also be the youngest player to do it by far, because... Oh yeah, he's only 22 years old. Man, I hope he just stays with the Blue Jays until he retires, because this guy's going straight to the Hall of Fame. He had a monster home run in the All-Star Game earlier this year, youngest MVP of the All-Star Game, even younger than when Ken Griffey Jr. won that. He's writing history already, man, and it's, it's amazing to watch. There are some days where I just come across a YouTube compilation of him hitting home runs, and I just stare at my screen in awe. Even earlier this year, he had a game where he hit three home runs in one game, and two of them was off of Max Scherzer, who, like a few weeks ago, just passed 3,000 strikeouts, so obviously that's a great pitcher, and he hit two off of him. Alright, anyways, enough about that. Let's talk about something even more exciting, more exciting sport. Hockey preseason is actually this weekend finally. The season doesn't start until like mid-October, so we're still a few weeks away, but I'm super excited for the season to start because the Chicago Blackhawks look like they could be a good team this year if everything goes well. Flurry's gonna be a net, he's decided to play. He won the Vesna last year, which is the best goalie in the league. Lankinen will probably still get some starts too. He's our future goalie most likely. Captain Jonathan Taves who missed all of last season. Apparently he's looking shredded going into the season. So we'll see how that works out for him. He might not be ready to start the season. But he should be out there eventually. Which will be awesome to see. We got Seth Jones. And we'll see if he can be our best defenseman going forward. If he's good enough. Tyler Johnson's out there, Patrick Kane is always a beauty, and it'll be good to see how Kirby Doc plays, since people are really high on him and his potential going forward. It's probably going to be another year of me not getting to watch any games in real life, since the Blackhawks, I think they play the Leafs in Toronto sometime in December, and then the more likely game I'd see is when Chicago plays Buffalo, because it would be so much cheaper, but that one's not until their last game of the year, which is all the way on April 29th. Brutal. And other topics? Well, the most exciting part of my week was hopping onto Disney Plus this week since they had their new show debut, Star Wars Visions. It's like Star Wars in an anime all-in-one with that Japanese flair to it. The episodes are all available, even though I thought it was going to be a a once-a-week thing. I finished the series already, I'm not going to lie, and I have to say that it was pretty good. I've actually watched uh, most episodes twice at this point already, so that'll give you a little insight into what I've done the past, like, I don't know, 48 hours, but the thing is, there's only 9 episodes in the show, and they average out to be only about 17 minutes per episode, so it's not like the season was long at all, but I do wish it was longer I'm already wanting more episodes. What are the best shoulder exercises? I've covered the best exercises to do for chest and back already on the podcast, so if you haven't checked those out before, go ahead and do that after this episode is done. So now I'll be breaking down what I think are the best exercises that you could do to build up and grow your shoulders. When it comes to shoulders, there's a few things I need to mention first. Why hit the shoulders? Well, shoulders are going to be important when it comes to giving you that shape that you might want. If you have broad shoulders, it'll make your waist appear smaller because of what's known as the V taper, which is where your shoulders look like the top part of the V, and then your waist is essentially the bottom part of the V, So you look wide up top by building the shoulders along with the back, while your waist is smaller or narrow. And it gives you that illusion that you're leaner than you are possibly, and it could be uh, a more aesthetic-looking shape to your body. Shoulder-to-waist ratio is a big part of that look you might be trying to achieve if you're in the bodybuilding space. And if you don't care about what the shoulders do for your physical appearance you still want to strengthen and make your shoulders stronger because reaching overhead is going to be more important as you get older and it's a skill that's often forgotten. Practical applications for this are grabbing or putting something back up on the shelf and as you get older, this becomes more difficult. And because you don't do it all that often in your day-to-day life, it's important to strengthen that movement to reduce your chances of injury somewhere down the line. In terms of performance, it's important to have strong shoulders because they assist in basically any movement involving your arms since your shoulder is that ball and socket joint and that helps your, that helps sorry, move your arm basically in any direction. It's going to assist you on pushing movements like a bench press or anything involving the chest and it'll help you with back movements as well if you have the strength and mobility to move around your arm freely. That being said, there are three parts to the shoulder the front, the anterior delt or deltoid, the middle of the shoulder, medial delt, and the back of the shoulder, which is the rear delt or the posterior deltoid. And in order to build the most balanced physique for yourself, you need to work all three parts of the shoulder because it'll give you that added stability you need to avoid injury there, since it is one of the most uh, prone to injury areas. It'll also assist in achieving proper posture, which is becoming more important in our day-to-day lives as we all try to combat the forward shoulder rounding that happens when us humans were sitting down all day on the computer, especially now if you're working from home. So, all right, let's start with the anterior deltoid, which is the front. So we'll start from the front of the shoulder and then go towards the back. So... For that front head of your shoulder, you need to be doing some kind of shoulder press movement where you're pressing over your head. I think the best thing to do would be either a strict OHP or strict overhead press. And as you become more advanced, I think you can even incorporate a push press in there as well. And I say advanced because when you're doing a push press, which is basically an overhead press with some knee flexion to generate a little bit of power from your lower body... And that extra movement and knee flex will allow you to load your shoulders with even more weight, but on the flip side, that means more potential for injury if you're not advanced enough to be doing that sort of movement. Regardless, an overhead press would be great for building that front head of your shoulder. I think that has to be the king when it comes to building the shoulder to achieve that bulging look from the front. A strict OHP is my go-to exercise, honestly, because it looks cool. I mean, you're lifting a weight from like your chin area all the way over your head. So I just imagine myself making a spirit bomb like I'm in Dragon Ball Z or something. (laughs) But yeah, so for that movement, you want to keep your core tight, squeeze the glutes, and your elbows should be pretty tight as well, not flaring out. And then you're going to press the weight in front of your nose and up and directly over your head. So it's not exactly a straight up movement if you're looking at the bar path. You kind of go up and slightly back and you can see that in various youtube videos that are out there if you need help with this one of course dumbbells are great to use as well as long as your range of motion is solid and with dumbbells you can do them standing or sitting if you do decide to sit you should be stronger when you are seated as opposed to standing up because you're able to support yourself with the bench or whatever you're sitting on, as opposed to when you're standing where there's going to be more core stability that's needed. So you got your barbell overhead press, you got your dumbbell presses, and those are great exercises. But I think another movement deserves a shout out too, and that's the Arnold press. I love doing these for shoulder development. So if you're familiar with what an Arnold press is, you're using dumbbells for this movement, and when you're at the bottom of the movement, you twist your hands so that your palms are facing your shoulder. Then from there, you twist up with the weight with a little bit of shoulder movement and wrist rotation. It's hard to explain that one on the podcast, but again, you can look it up if you need to. So this movement could actually involve even more shoulder recruitment and could also bring those traps into play as well. Again, this is another one of those advanced movements, so make sure that you can handle whatever weight you're using pretty easily, so it's a good idea to do at least one warm-up set to see how everything feels. Also, it's important to make sure you have the coordination needed to incorporate something like a twist into a shoulder press, which is what the Arnold Press basically has you do you'll likely need to lighten the weight for this exercise. For extra volume, when it comes to building the front part of your shoulder, you can do raises as well. But for the most part, when it comes to building your front dent, uh, front delts or anterior delts, presses should probably be done more frequently than raises. That being said, you should still get a pretty good mix of both, I feel like. Switch it up every now and then. A front delt raise I like to do, and I've been doing it at times, which I learned from my buddies when I first started working out at Humber College. And it's a front raise where your palms are facing up towards the sky, and then you raise your arm, but instead of going just straight up, you actually do a raise and you kind of cross over with your palms facing up. So when your shoulder is in full flexion, your arm should be above your opposite shoulder. Now I'm not sure if that's going to be a truly effective move, or I don't know if it's more effective than a normal front raise according to the science. But that is one that I found to work, uh, found to work pretty well for me. Again, I have to go lighter on that kind of movement, but I do feel a burn a bit more doing a crossbody front raise that I'm pretty sure was taken from a Kai Green shoulder routine. Alright, so on to the medial delts, which are super important. For this one, you're going to have to find a variation that works for you. It's honestly hard to get creative with this movement because your medial delts are so small, but they are important to hit because when you're looking at someone straight on, if you have large medial delts, that's what will really give you that shoulder to waist ratio I was talking about earlier because doing them could make you appear to have broader shoulders, which could benefit your physique if you're into that sort of thing. So when it comes to building your medial delts, there really aren't many exercises here. They're just really just variations of a lateral raise. The most common way you've seen this one done in the gym is probably with dumbbells. The thing is, I see a lot of people in there who's I mean, they're doing this exercise, but the form could be a little bit better on these. Sometimes you got those people who are going heavy on dumbbell lateral raises all the time, so every set they're swinging around the weights, using their lower back to start the movement, and really not isolating that small, tiny head of the shoulder. So when you're starting out here, start really light, something like 5 pounds possibly, and really try to uh, raise that weight to the side. And even towards the end of the movement on a lateral raise, you can kind of want to lead with your elbows for this one. And at the end of the movement, you try to basically pour out some water. So when you're doing your lateral raise, as you bring the weight up into the side, you kind of also lead with your pinky in order to do a slight twist with your wrist. Now, you don't want to pour out all the water, theoretically, or do an extreme twist with the dumbbell at the end of the movement. It's just a little tiny twist at the top of the movement. So, you can do lateral raises with dumbbells. You could do that either seated or standing, one arm at a time, or both at the same time, up to you. But, I think one that uh, gets overlooked is doing a lateral raise with a cable machine. So if you want to try this one, put the cable at the lowest position and grab those handles that you'd use for something like a chest fly. And then you're going to stand to the side and either have the cable in front of you, behind you, or through your legs, which I've seen some people do. Figure out which one you like. Personally, I think I feel the exercise more if the cable is either behind me or through my legs as opposed to if i'm doing the movement with the cable in front of me when i do it that way i do feel more in my front delt the cable is actually a really good alternative to the dumbbells for this movement specifically and that's because there's going to be a constant tension when you're doing the cables If you're using dumbbells, when you're at the bottom of the movement, there's no resistance on the weight because you're not fighting gravity at that point in regards to the work that your medial delta is doing. Now, when you're on cables, no matter what part of the lateral raise movement you're on, there's going to be a constant tension because that's one of the benefits when it comes to the cables. It's going to be the same weight acting on your medial delt because the force is coming from the cable's weight as opposed to gravity when you're doing dumbbells. And gravity, the force is always going downwards. So when you're doing dumbbells, at the bottom of the movement, there's no resistance. That got a little technical there, but you get my point. Doing a lateral raise on the cables is a pretty good movement. One more thing about lateral delts, and basically any movement for that matter, but I think it is especially important for the lateral delts, do these exercises slow and controlled, at least at first. Start with a lighter weight first, do the reps slowly, really try to engage that uh, medial delt that you're trying to target. Then as you become more advanced, you can cheat on some of your reps a tiny bit, But, when trying to learn a new movement, just take it easy at first and try to do them slow and controlled. And last but not least, do not forget to hit the rear delts as well. They probably get the least amount of work in when it comes to body parts. It's one of the more neglected muscle groups. So, this muscle is located at the back of your shoulders. It's another tiny muscle. So in order to hit your rear delts, a pretty common exercise I've seen a lot is the variation that's done on the pec deck. Now with this one, if you're doing reverse pec deck, in order to engage your rear delt or hit that area specifically, you need to remember a few things. First, to hit that rear delt, when you're bringing the weight back in a reverse pec deck, your elbows need to stay up. I've seen people do this movement so many times on pack deck and their elbows fall or they're just lower than they should be while doing this movement. Your elbow should remain up and in line with the rest of your arm, which should be moving parallel to the ground in order to target the rear delts. If your elbow is down, that'll cause you to actually use more of your stronger back muscles. Therefore, you're not really hitting the rear delt at all because those stronger muscles in your back will take over the movement. So if you're one of those people in there who think they're really strong with how much weight they can move for this exercise, it might be something actually breaking down when it comes to form. So when doing this one, keep your elbow up so that your arms are moving parallel to the ground, and that should help you engage those rear delts fully. You also have to remember to keep your shoulders down because you could also be shrugging and unnecessarily having your traps do some work as well. So make sure the seat is at the right height for you and find a position and movement pattern where you can actually feel your rear delts working. This might not all click after just one session. It might take multiple times practicing this to get the form just right for your specific body. And don't forget to use dumbbells as well for this one. Uh, You will have to go lighter than you're used to. Honestly, for me, this is a weak point, and it's still pretty hard for me to connect with that tiny rear delt muscle, but I do think a dumbbell variation will be great to toss in. One I like to do isn't fancy at all. I just like to grab 5 pounds or even 10 pounds if I'm feeling adventurous that day. And I'll do this exercise seated and I'll bend all the way over. And just like on the pec deck, your elbow and arms should be level with your shoulder and everything moving should all generally be in one plane. So if your elbow is dropping while you're doing this movement, you might be getting some back involvement there again, which is pretty common to see. Again, you can always do these with the cables as well, just like when doing the medial delts. But it can be a little bit awkward doing them again have the cable machine apparatus at the bottom and then you're going to bend over to the side and pull away from the cable machine so you're going to be sideways here there's going to be a constant tension there and if this one is too difficult for you you can always try a face pull movement for this one i like to use the rope have the cable machine attachment for the rope i like it a little bit higher than eye level And then you're going to pull the rope apart towards like your temple area or around your forehead. Your elbows are going to follow there. And this one is even more difficult to explain over the podcast. But it's going to be key to relax your shoulders so your traps don't really come into play. And then you pull back and try to target the rear delt that way. So there you go, guys. A few exercises which should build up your shoulders over time. Again, it's all about balance when it comes to how much you train what specific part of your shoulder. It's also a good idea to mix in heavy sets and lighter sets for full muscle recruitment and make sure to train everything consistently. The medial and rear delts probably don't get as much focus as they should in a typical workout program, so make sure to build everything up equally so that you don't have any imbalances that you'll need to fix later on. And that concludes episode 54 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.copan on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, isaiacopan.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.